Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. When I was pastoring in Houston, Texas, back in 2009 and 2010, about 10 of the men in the church, including me, decided that we wanted to participate in an Olympic-sized triathlon. A triathlon includes swimming, biking, and running in that order. There are three different lengths of triathlons. The Olympic distance is the medium length. It consists of 1.5 kilometer swim, just under one mile, a 40 kilometer bike ride, just under 25 miles, and a 10 kilometer run or 6.2 miles. The 10 of us trained for a year to participate in the race. As we approached the race, I found that transitions between the three disciplines were important to help reduce your time. For example, what clothes do you swim in? What do you wear when you ride the bike? And what do you do, uh, what do you wear when you run? If you have to stop the race twice to change clothes, this kills your time. So I began to research what people do to improve their times in the transitions. One of the things that racers do is wear what I can only call a onesie. It's a very lightweight one-piece suit that can dub for a swimsuit, biking clothes, and running wear. I must admit that I was a little concerned the 10 families involved on race day would forever have trouble with the mental image of their pastor in a onesie. <laughs> in order to compete, I decided to take the plunge and wear the onesie. Racers often wear light clothing in order to swim, bike, and run faster. Some male swimmers will shave their legs in order to stop their, stop their hair from slowing them down. I did not do that. The most competitive athletes literally throw off everything that could potentially hinder their participation. Our passage for this week uses this very imagery to challenge Christians to endure the challenges of their Christian faith as a runner would a marathon. Let's look at these words from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. As we've described in past weeks, one of the key concerns for the author of this letter to the Hebrews is to encourage Jewish believers to persevere in their faith in Jesus. All of Hebrews chapter 11 speaks of the heroic witness of the faithful Jews from the past. Each of these heroes died with their faith intact, even though they had not received what God had promised. However, the writer does not call his readers to pursue faithful death. Rather, he calls them to, to pursue faithful endurance. God's faithful followers in the past have set the standard of faithful endurance. Christ continued this standard by pro providing the superior example, the supreme example, an inexhaustible provision for faithful perseverance through his perfect sacrifice and victory over death. We, with the first readers of this letter, are therefore called to follow the path of victorious endurance and discipline that Christ has set before us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, each believer is depicted as an athletic runner 
in a great foot race. The Greek word for race is in, in verse one is agon. This is where we get the English word agony. It depicts a fight or a struggle against opposition. Its use underscores the effort and determination required to run the race to victory despite the struggles and difficulties involved. The crowds or the great cloud of witnesses in verse one are those who've gone before and successfully run the same race we now run. These crowds are depicted as spectators in an arena cheering on the current runners. These faithful witnesses as described in Hebrews chapter 11 were proof of the reality of the victorious life that is possible by faith in Christ. It is possible to persevere in the midst of trial and finish the race believing. The author gives us a few pieces of advice regarding how we're to run the race of faith with endurance. First, the author suggests throwing off anything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, verse one. The imagery, as already mentioned, is that of runners who shed any restrictive clothing or body fat that might slow their progress. In their faith journey, runners must throw off sin. A specific sin is not mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, so it could point to anything that hinders one's faith. Second, I want us to also notice the call to let us do something. The exhortation is in the plural form. We will find this truth, the fact that we do not run this race alone, sprinkled throughout Hebrews chapter 12. Here we find, let us throw off everything and let us run with perseverance. The discipleship path is a path we run together. Finally, as we run, we are encouraged to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Trained runners always keep their eyes fixed on the finish line. In fact, races have been lost at the last second when a runner looks away from the finish line to check on other runners. While the heroes of Hebrews 11 are an encouragement to us, the author of Hebrews encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the originator and the initiator of our faith. He is the one who brings our faith to its intended goal. The amazing thing is that when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we realize that he has his eyes already fixed on us. Think about it with me. Have you ever said to a young child, look at me? If you have, remember that when you said this, you were actually looking at the child. Jesus calls us to keep our eyes fixed on him. And as we take, as we take this spiritual journey, but never forget that he has his eyes, his gaze set on you. Notice that joy and suffering are connected in verse two and elsewhere in scripture. Jesus becomes our clear example to follow. He didn't focus on the suffering he was enduring. Instead, Jesus focused on the joy of the reward that awaited him on the other side of the suffering. 
he endured the cross in order to sit down at the right hand of the Father. The readers of Hebrews are encouraged to consider carefully the example of Jesus' faithfulness in the midst of suffering. I remember when I was experiencing a situation that included a really small amount of suffering and persecution. I had the thought, is what I'm enduring worth the stand I'm taking for Jesus? One of my mentors in ministry said to me, consider Jesus on the cross, Scott. I imagine that he wanted to come down from that tree. Thinking of Jesus suffering without any sin of his own encouraged me to endure through the much smaller suffering I was facing at the time. You see, I have not yet had to suffer to the point of death as Jesus did. To help his readers cope with their suffering, the author of Hebrews offers a different perspective on suffering. Though suffering is never pleasant, is rarely desired, and is often painful, it is not a sign that God has abandoned his people. Instead, he encourages believers to endure hardship as discipline. Verse 7. The author then goes on a long discourse in verses 9 and following, comparisons, if you will, between human fathers and God the Father. If a human father disciplines his children for their own uh, good, how much more God the Father? And while human fathers' discipline lasts only for a short time with limited benefits, God the Father disciplines us in order that we might share in his holiness. Can the hardship we're facing help us identify more with Jesus? I've seen people enduring hardship as a believer and come out looking more like Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, 12, verse 10 says, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. The discipline can produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it, verse 11. We might ask, how can suffering make us holy or more holy. Dr. Richard Taylor said suffering cannot directly make us more holy. It does so only indirectly as we let God's grace sanctify the suffering and thus use it to deepen our understanding, enlarge our sympathies, strengthen our faith, stabilize our purpose, spiritualize our perspectives, sweeten and mellow our attitudes and thus make us the character make us in character and personality more Christ-like. The Apostle Paul speaks a similar word in Romans chapter 5 verses 3 and 4 where he said, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. An unknown author penned these words, out of the darkness, out of the dark forbidding soil, the pure white lilies grow, out of the black and murky clouds descends the stainless snow, out of the crawling earthbound worm, a butterfly is born, out of the somber shrouded night, behold, a golden morn. 
out of the pain and stress of life, the peace of God pours down. Out of the nails, the spear, the cross, redemption, and a crown. To be sure, God does not cause these sufferings, but neither does he simply make them go away. The reality is that God is with us in the suffering. We aren't going anywhere Jesus hasn't already been. He has blazed the trail for us. Many people get angry at God because they think he hovers over us watching us suffer. Receive a new picture today, one in which God is not hovering over you watching you suffer, but instead he's with you running alongside you in the midst of the suffering. During the height of COVID-19 pandemic, sporting events, concerts, and other public events were canceled for several months. When they began to hold the events again, the spectators allowed at each event, at such events, were extremely limited because of the contagious nature of the virus. For nearly a year, ball teams played to empty bleachers. Orchestras and bands played to empty concert halls. Teachers taught empty classrooms via video chat. Preachers preached into video cameras with no one else in the room. All of these people would affirm how incredibly hard this was. There's something about having others in the room with us that encourages us. As our passage for this week comes to a close, we return to the topic of community. We were never made to run this race alone. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, calls us to make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Make every effort is literally pursue. We are to pursue peace with everyone and we are to pursue holiness. Notice the clear connection between peace and holiness. Holiness has a profound impact on one's relationship with other people. We are called in Hebrews chapter 12 to not just be concerned about our own well-being, but to be concerned about the condition of fellow believers. Verse 15 says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Recently, I was blessed to be present at the National Black Nazarene Conference in Tampa, Florida. The worship leaders sang a particular song multiple times during the four-day conference. The song was one I had not heard in the worship settings where I normally visit. The song is titled, I Need You to Survive. Here are the words. I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is his will that we need, that we, that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I need you to survive. With God's presence near us in the suffering, 
with a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on and with others running with us, we can run life's race with grace, confidence, and endurance. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He has blazed the trail for us. Remember that God walks through tough times with us and the discipline found in suffering can make us more like Jesus if we will let it. And never, ever run this race alone. We need each other to survive. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast.